pray that as we hear your word today, God, as we hear your word preached, as we um, think about why we even look at your word, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will really um, speak to us and convict us. God, we pray that this will be so much more than information. This will not just be wise and persuasive words, but really we ask for a demonstration of the Spirit's power and, and God, that, that Spirit, you will bring about a conviction in our hearts, God. Um, yeah, so Father, would you open our hearts, open our ears to hear from you today. We, we ask you to really come in and move in our midst, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, hello. Um, I'm going to actually start this sermon with a, a bit of a sad story and a confession. Um, I, wish, I wish I had a very cool video about like, you know, like, digital or AI Bible and how you can download the Bible into your head or, or some new bubble tea where you drink it and you know the Bible already or some new product, but I, I don't. Um, what I have is uh, a sad story and a confession that, that I thought about when I was preparing this sermon. You know, when I, w- when I was in JC, um, I had this teacher. Actually, I think I mentioned him before. His name is Peter Booth. Uh, he's this um, Englishman. He was a literature teacher. And during our first class, he asked us, uh, asked the class, uh, sort of as an icebreaker, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what would be the one book that you bring with you? And you know, in my class, there were about six of us who were Christians. And as good Christian boys and girls, we all said, like, you know, the Bible. And, and you know, Mr. Booth, he's, he's not a Christian, definitely. He's, he's actually a very, probably a staunch atheist. Um, you know, like I don't believe in God and 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 all those kind of things, and I don't think he was too pleased with that answer. That among all the books in the world, we we, we religious people chose the Bible, and um, he I remember he told me, you know, oh uh, oh the Bible. Um, do you read the King James version? I'm like, no. Um, you should read the King James version. It'll help you with Shakespeare. And I was like. You know, the, the confession is that as, as like, some, like some sort of lemming, I actually went and bought the King James Version and started reading it because I thought it would help me with literature. And, and you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether you think that's bad or not, but actually I feel quite ashamed about it. Uh, I don't know for what reason. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the King James Version. I, I know there are people who read the King James Version, but, but I just felt that my motives were not quite right. Lah. And... <laughs> The sad part of the story is that out of the six of us, six out of 13 in the class were Christians. I think like at least three have since left the faith, you know. And, and when I think about that, you know, um, I think back to that time, I, I think that, you know, when it comes to the Bible, a lot of times we Christians, we, we know the right thing to say that, you know, where we, what, what is the one book that you really think is the most important? Oh, yes, the Bible. But when we actually examine our hearts, when we, when we really take our confession and, and me- measure it against our hearts, I think that is where we normally find ourselves or, or that there's something that maybe that we can work on or we can, we can think about. And, and really, I think today as I preach this sermon, I don't want it, you know, as Joanna has prayed, I don't want it to be just something like, I'm going to tell you intellectually why you should read the Bible. I'm hoping that it is what I tell you today, you would take it and you would sort of measure your own heart and measure your own lives and your own sort of Bible practices and your own attitude towards the Bible against it and see if there's something that God is speaking to you about, about what, 
what is in your heart about the word and, and where does it fit in your life. Okay? And, and yeah, so how I'll break this up is I'll, I'll start by giving you three reasons why you should read the Bible. And, and then I'll try to go into a bit more sort of like practical aspects about it and whatnot. And at the end, we'll sort of break up into CGs and, and, and you'll have a time of discussion and uh, to, to discuss some of these things. Okay? So let me just start. And there are three reasons why, to me, we read our Bible. And the first reason, which I think is actually the most important, okay, that's not how it works, is to know God. I think this is the primary reason that we know God. Yes, I know, I didn't use the branding guidelines. I didn't use the white font because I felt that the white font might be a bit, but over here it's okay, but I didn't use it, so sorry. You have this weird white slide. I tried to change the color, but it was an image, so I couldn't change it, and, um, and now you have yellow font, okay? Forgive me, forgive me. Um, yeah, oh, that's great, that's great. Uh, yeah, so, so weird font, but, but to know God, okay? To know God. Christianity is ultimately about knowing God. And, and we're not just talking about knowing God, like I said, with our heads, but really knowing Him in an intimate way, to know Him, uh, in a, to be in a relationship with Him, to know Him as, as Abba Father, to know Him as a friend. That is really what Christianity is all about. You know, when we read the Gospel, the Gospel is essentially what? It is that man was created for a relationship with God. Because of his sin, he could no longer have a relationship with God. And Jesus came down to reconcile our relationship with God. The whole thing is relational. The whole thing is about knowing God, you know? And, and, I, and I want you to understand that as a starting point. Because don't, we, we always say this, but, but don't take it lightly. Because, you know, the, the creator of the universe, he knows you intimately, you know? Um, I keep getting it wrong. You know, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He knew us. And he went so far, the creator of the whole universe who created every single thing, the galaxies, the stars, down to the details of little insects. I don't know whether, like, dude, I was praying recently and I just looked, I was at this place and I looked up and I saw, like, it was like quite a high building and I saw the entire city and I looked down and I saw this ant and I was just thinking, my gosh, God knows, like, he, he's God over all the city and he's also God of this very small little ant and he's found in it. And, and he knew you, and he wants you to know him. And that's why he sent his one and only son to, the, to earth in the form of a man to die on a cross so that you can know him. And of course, when we become Christians, we, 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 we get access to know him. But really, in, in the Christian faith, the way that we primarily know him, we get to know him deeply, is by studying his word. Is by studying his word and the book of Samuel, it says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed, to, revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Now, you might think that this is just Samuel. It's just a one-off incident. We see in Hebrews that, you know, God spoke through the prophets, and then in the last days he spoke through his son. And where is what the prophets said and what his son said found? It is in the Bible. You know, sometimes people tell me, like, I, I, I think, like, in the past, like, over, over the, the, the time I've been a Christian, one of the things I sometimes hear is that people like to say that, um, you know, I really like coming into God's presence in praise and worship. 
uh, but I find reading the Bible a bit boring, you know. Um, and then as you sort of get older, I think people get a bit smarter with their words and they say, well, um, you know, I don't really connect with God through, through reading the Bible. I connect more through, through music and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and I just want to say like um, a few things about that. And, and firstly, I want to say I, I do believe that everyone connects with God and, and, you know, has a relationship with God um, in different ways. You know, some people connect better through music. Some people, like, connect with nature. Some people connect with His Word. But I do think that we have to be careful, and this is where I think we have to examine our hearts and be careful, that we do not use that, our personality, our disposition, as an excuse to neglect His Word. Because the fact of the matter is, the primary way which God reveals Himself to us, the truth about Him, is through His Word. You know, and, and I think the analogy with me is that, um, I, I know you hear, sometimes you hear this a bit too much, people say it a lot, but, but I'm actually an introvert. And, and um, yeah, like I got to be careful sometimes that I don't use my personality or my introversion as an excuse to just not do community like we, we, we heard last week. Because, you know, sometimes community can be tough. You know, people are annoying and then I say, oh, yeah, yeah, I find it annoying because I'm an introvert. And so, no, I find it annoying because I don't have love, you know. And, and, and I think sometimes I need to examine my hearts and, 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 and check myself there. And I think it's actually in those type of things where we, we have a tendency towards one way or other that we have to be extra careful in, 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 uh, with our heart because the heart is deceitful above all else, Okay. So I'll just say, do not use it as an excuse to neglect the word. And, and, and the, the scriptural basis that I want to give us, or I want to look at today to talk about this, is, um, is really in John 4. And, and many of us know these verses, and, and, and you especially know the second part, verse 23, which says, you know, true worshippers worship in spirit and in truth. But I, I put both of these verses together because I want to focus a bit on the first part. And the first part, I think, sheds quite a bit of light on, on the second part. You see, Jesus, he was speaking these words to a Samaritan woman. Now, who is a Samaritan? A Samaritan was a group of... There were the Jews in Israel. There were people living in Israel. And there were Samaritans. And there were another group of people living in Israel. And the Samaritans were actually a distinct people group, even though they had sort of descended from the same sort of tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. But what they had done is they sort of broken off, they had gone and intermarried, and they had certain different practices uh, from the Jews. And one of the key differences between Samaritans and Jews was that the Samaritans only accepted and read the first five books of the Old Testament, what we call the Pentateuch. And while the Jews, their Bible, and like one... AD or what, at, at that point of time, was basically the whole Old Testament that we are reading now. And, and if you look at it from the, that period of time, that was the complete Bible as of that point of time. And so actually when Jesus is talking about worshipping in spirit and in truth, when this lady, she came and asked him some questions, he said, you Samaritans, you worship what you do not know. And they do not know because they do not read the full word of God. Their understanding of God is incomplete 
because their Bible, their reading of the Bible, their knowledge of the Bible is incomplete. And so, yes, they worship God, but they worship what they do not know. And the thing is, God does not want us to worship the error of God. He wants us to worship the truth of God. And so, I, I really want to emphasize that, that, you know, because a lot of times when, we, when I say something like this, people are quick to say, oh yeah, yeah, incomplete theology, incomplete Bible. And they say, we like to point fingers at sort of other churches or other denominations or other, other sort of preachers. You know, you, you, you normally hear about like, say, the prosperity gospel where people just preach that, you know, you, you come and uh, get saved and you'll get a lot of money and, and, and whatnot and you, you have tele-evangelists maybe on, on US and, 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 and people say, oh, that's not a complete doctrine. That's not complete theology. And, and sometimes these criticisms are fair. I'm not, even, I'm not even making a comment here on whether on prosperity. I'm just saying that we are very quick to point to other people. But I think the question today that I want us to ask ourselves is basically, are we like the Samaritans, worshipping what we do not know? Because we might have the full Bible physically, but what, what we place in our heart is highly incomplete. And, and I don't say this because I believe that, you know, that I've attained some sort of perfect knowledge of the Bible or that, in fact, anyone can attain a perfect knowledge of the Bible on, on like before we go to heaven because that's what First Corinthians says, right? Like it says that right now we know in part and it's only when we go to heaven that we know fully. But the question really is, are we in our action, not in our thought, in our action, in our daily practices, in our Bible practices, very satisfied and contented with being a Samaritan who worships God in spirit, but not in truth. And I think that's the question that I want to I wanna ask us to sort of ask ourselves and think about. Because if you really want to take all that God has to offer, if you really want to know God, and I tell you, if you know God, you know, like I said, the Christianity is all about knowing God and every blessing flows from that knowledge, you know. Uh, you, you, you want life in the full. You need to know God deeper. And if you want to know God deeper, you need to read His Bible. And you need to think about how you're going to do that. So, like I said, yes, people connect to God in different ways and I'm, I'm, and I'm totally for that. But I, I ask us to today examine ourselves and think, are we neglecting God's Word? And is our knowledge of God affected by that? So that, that's really my first point, to, that we read the Bible to know God. And the next one is, read the Bible to know God's will. Now firstly, the Bible reveals to us um, God's will for all of creation. We, we normally talk about that when we do the books of the Bible that we cover over the past few years, right? When we did Revelations, Ephesians, um, Genesis, we're going to do Exodus. We, we talk about how God has a plan and what's God's overall plan. And, you know, He's a God who's in control. He's a God who redeems and, and all these things. And, and, you know, I don't know what you think about that. It might seem pretty irrelevant, but I think it, it, it helps answer some of life's big questions. It, it, and, and, and it's quite amazing. But the Bible also gives us understanding for God's will for our own lives. You know, 
Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. His word directs us. And for many of us, when we are facing big decisions in life, I think it's quite common that we, we go and seek counsel. We, we ask for advice from friends, maybe from the pastor, or maybe like if you're spiritual, you, you really pray about it and, and, you, and you seek God. But do we go to God's Word? That's, that's the question I have for us. Because the, the foundation of godly counsel and, and prayer is God's Word. You know? And... You know, like, for example, God has a lot of things to say about relationships in His Bible and, and about a husband and a wife. And these things are all relevant to us when we are making decisions on our own relationships, on how, how we date and how we marry. Or God's Word has a lot of things to say about money. And when you go and choose a course of study or you choose a job, these things are very relevant to that decision that you're making and why you're, why you're going into that path that you're going. So you know, his, found, his Word is the foundation to decisions in our lives. And if the Bible isn't something that you look to when you're making decisions or when you're, when you're looking to, to, to make whether big decisions or maybe not so big decisions, then, then we've got to be careful. You know, I actually think it's a bit disrespectful sometimes if we don't look at God's Word and we just go to Him and ask Him, God, what is your will? Because, you know, God is saying, dude, I wrote a book. Read my book. You know, you, don't you hate it when like, people don't read your text messages or something like that? He wrote a big book. And sometimes we don't read it. And we're just like, oh, uh, trying to get some pop advice from, from Google or something like that. Read, read the book, you know. And, and God's will is there. He, he has a plan for you. And, and you need to read it. You know, there's this famous preacher, John Piper, and he says that, um, he would say that um, the, wor- the verse that his parents most of- often quoted to him in letters was 1 Corinthians 10.31. And um, it says, so whatever you eat or do, or whatever you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And he says that this, they would often quote him this verse because... They would say, you know, Johnny, whatever you do, you can, you, whatever, you can do whatever you want, but do it to the glory of God. And if you can't, don't do it. You know, if you can't do it to the glory of God, don't do it. And, and he says that as a 15-year-old, when his parents told him that that was one of the best, most sort of hardworking, powerful advice he ever got. But how do you know whether it's something that you can do to the glory of God or not, you need to look at the Bible. And, and the reality is that, you know, you, a lot of times these decisions come our way and we, we don't have the time then to go and just study the Bible then and, oh, see, see what it says about this decision. That is why we need to read it in advance and put it in our hearts and prepare ourselves for it. So, Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. You want to know uh, you want to have wisdom for your life, you read God's Word and you ask Him to reveal it to you. Now again, I'm not saying that you don't get godly advice. I'm not saying that you don't pray. But I'm saying that the Word is the foundation to all of these things. And, and we need to be prepared. We need not 
we cannot get caught unaware because the devil is out there like a prowling lion and he's going to throw things our way and we're going to have to make decisions. And that's when the knowledge of the Word, it will help us. And the third thing that I want to say about why we read the Word is we want to know God's power. Again, I'm not talking about His power in like we know of His power, but we want to know His power in our lives. And, and the, the power of the Word to, to restore and renew our lives. You know, when we read the Bible, there are actually many verses on, on, on how the Bible is like a, it's a sword, it's living and active, how it's useful for many things. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. You know, when, when Jesus went into the desert, he was tempted by the devil and he responded with the word. The, the word was something he used to fight the devil. And the thing is normally, you know, we, we, we have this perception of the word that is very bland and boring or doesn't... But, but and, and, and definitely, I think the, the word is not bland and boring, but I don't want to talk about it. I want to say that like, normally when we think about power, we often think of like supernatural acts or, or, or you know, signs and wonders. We think of like Peter at Pentecost when, when, when you know, tongues of fire came down and then suddenly... There are all these like signs and, and Peter preaches and everyone gets converted and then we talk about power in that sense. But really, I think God's power sometimes manifests itself in relatively quiet ways. I think this week I was very encouraged by a brother who told me that, um, you know, for the past, past few months he has been struggling with anger issues at work. But because he recently started, you know, doing his Bible, reading his Bible more regularly, uh, in the course of the day, he, he, he has a peace in his heart while he's working and it has, it has transformed him. And you know, we, we hear these things and sometimes we're not amazed, but I think we should be, you know. Because to me, it is quite amazing. There's no other book that I know of. You know, there's so many self-help books. There's so many intellectuals who have written books. But how many books would have the power that the more you read it, it transforms you from the inside out? You know, they, they normally just get stuck here. They don't transform you when, when you read it. And none of them would even claim to do that. It's absurd. But the Bible does. You know, as we meditate on His Word, as we open it, as we approach it with a willing heart, with, with an open spirit, the Bible transforms us. It is the power to sanctify us, to renew us, and to prepare us for every good thing that God has done. And I think that is real power. We, and and, and we, we need to understand that, you know? Romans says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know, in Psalms, again, it says, you guard your heart by, by the word, and it transforms your mind. So, so we, we read it because of its power to transform us. And, and that, I think, is real power. So, in terms of why we read the Bible, my, it's to me, it's actually really just to me three points I want to talk about today. That we know God, we know His will, and we know His power. And, and I really hope that, that later as we are in the course of the day, you just meditate upon this and I hope that it really just um, transforms you or, or it convicts you and it convicts your heart and it lets you help you take the Bible seriously. 
but I think for a lot of us, we, we also, there are a lot of us who know that we need to read the Bible, but, but we, we don't. Or, or it, it is actually a very practical issue. And I want to spend like the last sort of half of this sermon just talking about some practical aspects about reading God's Word. And I don't claim to be like an expert on reading the Word. And I was actually just telling someone this week that, um, you know, this week I actually felt my Bible study preparation was quite disrupted because, because of certain, like, things were not right in my life and all that. And, and, and it affected me. And, and this quite often happens. But I think over time, there's some things I've noticed that people have done and, and certain tips and things which, which have helped people, like, study their Bible more consistently and, and, or, or help them to grow in the Word. And that's what I, I, I really want to talk about here. And the first point that I want to make is that you should start where you're at and not where you think you should be. I'm trying to get very practical here. I think a lot of times, maybe it's because we're Singaporeans, I don't know, you know, and especially at this time of the year, it's the New Year, New Year's resolutions. We, we, we always put Bible study as one of the big New Year's resolutions. Now, conventional wisdom, or, or the wisdom passed down through people, um, through teachers of the way of Jesus, is that if you really want to grow in Jesus, if you really want to become more Christ-like, that usually involves about one hour a day spending time with God, at least. You know? Um, that said, if right now you don't spend any time with God, or you don't read the Bible at all, don't go and set a New Year's resolution for yourself that you're going to read the Bible one hour a day for the rest of the year. I mean, I think maybe there are some people who can do that, like especially if you're like super disciplined, you're the type who like, wow, you set your mind to it. And it. But for most people, you won't, and then you'll get discouraged, and then you'll stop. So just start with like, say, five or ten minutes a day and, and build up the habit, become more consistent. And as it becomes more consistent, it doesn't have to be perfect, then you start increasing the time you spend with God. You know, so, so that's the first thing. And actually, I think that's one of the most important things, if we are real about it, that, that, that keeps us. Sometimes we just feel like a failure when we, when we fail in these goals to read the Bible. But, but I just want to encourage us that, you know, it is not about being a failure or not. I think it's about persevering. It's about keeping at it and, and keeping going, you know. And... The second thing I want to say is, is don't be afraid to use resources. Um, I know sometimes when we read the Bible, we can get confused. Maybe we, we, read, the wrong, we read a part of the Bible that is confusing or, or we don't understand. Or we, we spend several days reading the Bible and then we, we just don't get it and then we just give up. You know? Um, and, and when I was a young Christian, I always thought that like mature Christians, they, they don't use... Bible study plans, they don't use devotions, they don't use any other resources. They just read the Bible and, and they know what it means. Or they read the Bible and then they pray and immediately, bam, God reveals to them um, you know, a whole sermon about what this, this one verse means. But I've come to find that's not the case. You know, like I, I, I still use a lot of resources and not just like, say, now commentaries or, or, or whatever other, like these so-called chim books, but just... Simple Bible study plans and devotions, I think, are very good to help us to understand the Bible, especially when you're starting off. Because it's sort of like, especially if it's a good plan, you know, it helps you and tells you what is the main point in that Bible. 
Now, the only two things I would caution about this is that, firstly, make sure that it is a good plan or a good devotion. And if you want help on picking a plan or a devotion, you can always ask your CGLs so that you know that what you're reading is, is, is you know, speaking the truth and, 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 and helping you out. The second thing is don't let you know, a Christian book or a devotion or a Bible study plan replace the Bible. You know? uh, in fact, when I read a devotion, I make sure that I read the passage first and, and, and let it speak to me and give God a chance to let it speak to me before I read whatever the author of the devotion or the book or thing has, has written. And, and, and that way we build up the Bible study habit. We, we start having this, this, this sort of encounters with God daily. And as we do that, you know, more will be given to us. The third thing is to learn to block out distractions. Now, this might sound like a very duh piece of advice. Like, I think, like, you'd say, like, oh, everyone knows that. But, but just hear me out. You know, I think a lot of times we say, oh, you know, I would read the Bible more, or I need to read the Bible more, but, but I just don't have time. Or, or there's so many other things pulling me in, in different ways, and I get distracted. And, and, the, and it feels like it's like life is a suitcase, you know, where you have like, it's just full to the brim or it's nearly full and you're just trying to fit in the Bible or the Bible study time. It's just like that last pair of shoes that you want to fit in or that last jacket that you want to like shove in. And you know, just like a suitcase, you need to stop trying to shove that in and you need to like look at it and either repack the suitcase, reorganize the suitcase, or maybe you need to take some things out of the suitcase, you know? So sometimes we, our, our schedules are so full that, that we, need to, we need to think about it and sit down and be intentional and think how can we fit Bible study time in. So for me, I, I do, on, on a work day, I sort of break my time with God up throughout the day into, into little, now not everyone agrees with this, so there's no, this is not a model or what, like some people are like spend one hour in the morning and, and do it, but, but this is how I do it. And what I've found is that actually a very precious time with God for me is on my bus ride to work. Simply for the reason that given where I work and, and you know, the problems with work and, and bosses and all that, the bus ride, I feel, is the time when no one can interrupt me. And so every day, that time is blocked out for God and, and, and there will be no distractions and whatnot. And I I'd have like... Um, um, time spent at other times. But I have to admit, sometimes, you know, like when I, if I'm spending time in the evening, sometimes when I have to work late, that time becomes unproductive because I'm just so tired. I, I go and I read the Bible and it's, my mind is not there. But the constant in my life is the time spent on the bus. And, and I encourage you to try and look at your schedule. Be intentional about it. Don't let the chaos of life just sweep you and, and you know, Plan, plan like, oh, I'll do Bible study when I feel like doing Bible study. Schedule it in. I, I don't know. I find that helps a lot. And, and I, find, I find that it is important to be intentional about it. But you know, some other times you need to take stuff out of your life. And, and I just want to say that because I think sometimes we, we ignore it and, and we try to skim over it. But there are things that we need to take out of our lives to make room for time with God. Whether it is, right now it could be computer games, it could be drama serials, it could be social media, whatnot. But, you know, it, it can get 
even more complicated than that, um, especially as you get older. And, and I know that there was this particular job I had that paid quite well, and which I left. And one of the reasons I left that job is because I felt that that job was demanding so much of my time that there's just no room for God. And it was not an easy decision. It was not a clear-cut decision because I'm not telling people now, hey, okay, you're facing adversity at work or, or it's a struggle, go and quit your jobs. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But I'm just wanting to illustrate that it is insane to think that we can have God and every other thing that life just throws our way. Because life throws a lot of things our way, you know. And if you're just like, ah, let it, I'll just take this in, I'll just take this in, and you have this crazy notion that, that you can still fit God in, it, it often doesn't work that way. We need to be selective. We need to, we need, because that's what the devil does, you know. In Mark 4, I'm sorry, I didn't put this on the, on, on the, on the slides. But in Mark 4, you know, the parable of the sower. Jesus says, you know, there are three types. The seed is in three types of wheat. And the third weed is, is that which falls among the thorns. And later Jesus explains, what are the thorns? The thorns are the worries, the anxieties, and the distractions of life, including money, including the pleasures of the world. And a lot of times, before we can fit time in for the Bible or fit time in for God, we need to say no to some of these things. And, and I don't know if what I'm saying now, just you're going to ignore me or not, but I feel I really have to say it because I've, when I've, I've seen that it does not become easier as we get older. And, and, I, and I see a lot of my friends who struggle with this, and I encourage you to learn how to deal with distractions of, in your life early on. And the last, the last point I'll make, or I'll suggest, is to do it together. Um, yeah, I think like one of the most cool things about a version Bible app is that when you do a Bible plan together, it adds in an additional section where you can like share thoughts, comments, and, and, and whatnot. And I've been, I've been doing that with my young adult CG, and I think it's been fantastic. We're all quite blessed by it. And, and, and I do believe that, that you know, we should study the Word together, and we should spur one another on. So whether it's via a version Bible app where you can like, you know, put in your, like, what you think about a passage, or even just say like, what's going on in your life and encourage one another, I encourage you to like, get together a few people and, and commit to studying the Bible together because I really find it is... It, that, that's what we're, that, I mean, that's what the whole sermon last week was also for, right? Like, like, you know, we spur one another on. And I actually think that actually, you know, back in the day, the, the Christians did a lot more of that. Because, you know, they had to come together to study the Word. And, and, um, and I'd encourage us to do that as well, even in your CGs. So, that, that's all I really have to say. I just want to conclude with, with a story. And um, it's a story that came to my mind as I was preparing. And I remember, like, when I was a young Christian, um, I didn't really know how to do Bible study. I didn't know whether, like, because I, I guess I came from a Hindu background, you know, everything very ritualistic, and I was wondering, is there a correct way to do this? And so I asked, I asked someone who was about a few years older than me, like, how do you do this? Like, um, what's your way of studying the Bible? And he says, okay, I take a passage, 
or a chapter in the Bible, I read it, I meditate on it, I look to understand it, and um, sometimes I look at some other resource, and I let God speak to me. And I, says, and I said, um, because this is what I was facing, what, what if God doesn't speak to you? You know, what if you get nothing out of the Bible? And then he says, well, then I go to the next passage, I read it, I meditate on it, I, I do don't know what, and, and I let God speak to me. I say, well, what if he doesn't speak to you then as well? And he says, I go to the next passage, and, and I, w- I didn't really think much of it back then, but I was quite astounded by it when I thought about this thing he told me. And, and I actually am not sure whether I will recommend it as a model or a way of studying the Bible, but what astounds me was his perseverance and his patience to get something out of the Bible. And I think that perseverance and patience is admirable and and applies not just in one Bible study setting, like, you know, where you don't know whether you're going to spend 15 minutes or one hour or what, but, but I think it applies to life as a whole. You know, I think one of the problems with our generation is actually impatience. And, and we want everything instantaneously. And once God, we, we, we try God for like, we read the Bible and we don't get anything, we're saying, oh God, you're not there, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But really, God works on a different timeline. We studied that in Genesis. You know, the Israelites had to wait. Abraham had to wait. And, and in 1 Corinthians, the first attribute of love is that love is patient. So, I'm just gonna, I just want to encourage us that you know, if you think that when you read the Bible, you don't feel God, or you don't, don't just give up. Just persevere and be patient. Because God does sort of deliver in the end. He does come. And, and I can tell you that from my own life. And it does happen and it does work out. And so, yeah, I just wanted to tell this story to try and encourage us to, to you know, be patient with God, to not give up on Bible study and to just persevere. So, yeah, that's, that's really what I have to say. So with that, shall we, shall we pray? Father, we just thank you that, that you are a God who knows us and who wants to be known by us and wants to have a relationship with us. We thank you that you have given us a Bible that, that reveals you and all the mysteries of you. That, that through it, we can know you, we can know your will, and we can know your power. And I pray that we do not neglect this word. We do not neglect the Bible in our lives, but that we really just have a passion for it. That we have a passion to know you more and more. To know what you want more and more. And I pray that, that we would band together as a family and encourage one another to grow deeper in the Word, to grow deeper in our knowledge with God. And Jesus, I just pray that, yeah, you give us patience, you give us patience and perseverance, that even when when we go through dry seasons, we'll not give up, but that we will hold on, because, you know, the Christian life is not a a sprint, it's a a marathon, and, and, and we want to strive forward for the victor's crown. So we just thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, now you will just, okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to break up into our CGs.
where we can just spend a bit more time, I guess, talking about um, well, what, what you have just heard. But also, I would encourage you to, your CGL should know that you would share about what are the struggles that you face um, reading the Bible and, and, and growing in God's Word. And, and hopefully you can encourage one another. So that's about it. Um, yep. Thank you.